0: To learn more about how you can support the Rose Bowl Stadium as it turns 100 years young, visit spells inspire 2022org Hey, Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham.
1: Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday Another Monday down, another Monday closer to what should be the start of the college football season. We're still crossing our fingers, hoping that happens. We're going to talk to the coach, Harvey Hyde, about some of the news around the sports world that could have an impact on college football, specifically stuff going on at USC. If you have any questions or comments for the show, you can drop us an email, podcast at uscfootball.com. If you'd rather call or text us, you can do that too, 424 254 Nine one four one is the number. All right, and we're going to talk to the coach Harvey Hyde. Please, if you do uh, listen to the show on any podcasting app, we love that you can subscribe. Tell your friends about it. If you're on Apple Podcasts, leaving us five star reviews and positive ratings really do help the show, and we appreciate all of you that have been doing that. Without further ado, we want to talk to the coach. You can follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde or go to his website com, coach how are you sir
0: Ryan, i'm good buddy i'll tell you what uh, i'm still positive sometimes i have a a day when i say well maybe not but i'm still hoping and positive we'll have a college football season an nfl football season and all of us will get a real football fix
1: we are trying to get our real football fix and i'm glad to hear that you're uh you're positive about things because there's you know there's a lot of negativity going around and, you know, obviously we want things to go happen in a safe way uh, going forward. And I think we can start off with something uh, positive coach, because every week we've been hearing from USC, we've been hearing what the results have been uh, of their testing. Uh, They're doing the, uh, you know, the COVID-19 testing on the student athletes that are on campus. I believe six uh, of the fall sports are on campus and they're doing uh, some tests and the good news we got on Friday, today's Monday, we're recording this, um, zero positive cases out of the 120 tests that were administered from the university's athletic department. So there was uh, overall seven uh, athletes tested positive for coronavirus since they began these voluntary workouts uh, eh, like five, six weeks ago, the middle of June. Um, There's been 400 37 tests on student athletes who are participating in uh, on-campus workouts in phase one, two, and three for football, men's water polo, women's soccer, women's volleyball, and men's and women's basketball. So of the 437 tests, like I said, seven student athletes were positive for COVID-19. All of them were put in isolation. All other tests were negative and there's no positive results among the 120 athletes that were tested, uh, on Friday. So they're still closely monitoring, uh, and you know, they have regular testing, uh, as these athletes are returning to workout. So a lot of that came from a statement that USC provided, uh, on Friday. So, I mean, I I think that's good news coach. We, you don't want to see a whole bunch of positive cases happening. And so far, I think they've done a, a really good job of keeping people safe on campus.
0: Right. Uh, they have. And uh, certainly you're going to have some cases. It's just uh, going to happen. We read about them and uh, they're unfortunate. They happen. And you sometimes don't even know how you got them or got the virus. But, uh, you know, I mean, I'm in that mood that this week uh, I'm charging forward uh, as far as with my radio shows I do and so on. I'm talking with my sponsors and so on. I'm saying we're doing a show no matter what. So get aboard and uh, let's do it and uh, see what happens. So that's my attitude today, and I hope all of you take a positive attitude. Now, there'll be things you read, like about the Miami baseball team and things where there are some things that happen, but obviously uh, there are going to be some of those. Uh, but if you don't think positive and you don't charge forward and if you don't get ready, and uh, you're not going to win. So my feeling this week is uh, we're going to get ready And we're going to do a show no matter what, all my shows, and I'm going to be with you, Ryan, all the time. There's always something to talk about. And uh, that's uh, the way I hope all of you feel out there, too, as far as we need uh, uh, certain things in our lives. And right now, positiveness is something we need. We need to look forward to laughing about something, getting excited about something, not sitting back all the time and worrying about everything, which we all are doing, obviously. But it's time that we do some things we want to do.
1: Yeah, no, it is. Uh, I'm glad for that. And we want to, obviously, we want everyone to be safe. We want some positivity. And that's good news that USC is able to conduct um, these workouts on campus and they're able to keep the student athletes uh, safe. So uh, I do like that. I like, you know, we like reporting on positive uh, numbers. We'll see, you know, this week uh, if there's more positivity coming on Friday. Uh, as they, you know, do do the workouts and keep working out all six sports, not just um, football. So we, uh, I had a que- So speaking of those workouts, Coach, we had a question uh, from Matt. He emailed this one in, and he didn't seem very happy about uh, what's been going on. I'm not sure where he's getting some of what he's talking about here, but I wanted to give everyone an update on where USC is with uh, their off-season workouts. So he says, zero information. You're saying USC is already doing full contact practices? LA County Health Department must be asleep. Administering 120 uh, PCR tests to a football team can cost upwards of $100,000. That's 100K each of the nine weeks uh, a Pac-12 team plays. Turnaround time for tests done 72 hours before a game can mean just moments before kickoff a player can be ruled ineligible with no clear way home if it is an away game. Nobody flies positive. That's from Matt. So, so, Matt, let me give you an update on what my understanding is of where USC is with their workouts and where we are. No one they're, – they're not doing full contact practices. I'm not sure what they're doing in the SEC. But as you know, the Pac-12 has delayed the start of the season. They're going to do a conference-only season. John Wilner reported last week, and we talked about this on the show, that uh, most likely what was going to happen is mid-September is when the season would start. There'd be 10 conference games. Uh, John uh, Canzano, I believe, reported that USC was, or it might have been the Athletic, I forgot, my apologies, that USC would be adding Washington State to their schedule, which would make it five home, five road, Pac-12 games there's going to be flexibility at the end of the season. So if a game needed to be delayed or postponed that you could play it in December. So scheduling the conference championship game for early December, but you could also do it a week or two after that, still giving the PAC 12 team that wins that title game a couple weeks to prepare if there's a college football playoff. So the plan that we've seen reported, and we should know more for sure Uh, later this week because the Pac-12 did say by the end of the the month, they were going to have their full schedule out. But that's my understanding of how the schedule is playing out. So right now, the plan was fall camp starts August 7th. This was, you know, now that the season's going to be delayed, fall camp, the start of fall camp is likely going to be delayed. There was the original phasing in and what the NCAA said you could do. And by now, USC could have been doing uh, some you know throwing, seven-on-seven stuff, walkthroughs. I think you could have done those workouts with footballs. But where USC is right now is simply doing full-team conditioning workouts outside. So they're doing all of that stuff outside. Uh, my understanding is they're not doing anything in the weight room as of now. That might have changed recently, but some of that had to do with what the L.A. County Health Department uh, had determined was safe when gyms closed usc moved a lot of this stuff outside coaches are there uh you can look at usc's instagram accounts or some of their social media accounts and you can see some of these photos of players working out masks on and things like that but no under no circumstances have they been doing full contact practices that's not going to happen until fall camp starts which was going to be august 7th and now it's delayed so matt i'm there's not some you know clear, this is exactly what's going on. Everyone's sort of doing this, uh, you know, figuring out as you go. But I can tell you what USC is doing now. And so far, what USC is doing has been working. They're keeping guys safe. Uh, they're not testing positive. But doing full team conditioning workouts with coaches outside is certainly different than if you're doing full-on weight room stuff, you're all inside, if you're doing full contact practices. But like I said, that hasn't started yet. So sorry for the long uh, rant there, but I just wanted to kind of get Matt and everyone else up to date on what we are understanding of where they are with the workouts now. I just texted with a source this morning to kind of confirm where I thought things were. They did confirm that for me. But, Coach, any thoughts on uh, my little rant there?
0: No, I really thought you uh, described it thoroughly. I really did. And I think the only thing I can add to that is that once there's a schedule, you'll be given so many days and so many practice days to get ready for your game. And maybe some people will start a little bit earlier, a week earlier, because of uh, the conflict in scheduling. Or maybe they'll all start September 19th. I'm not sure. But it'll be a certain count-back period of time that you can practice before you play your game, and then everybody can get going. But until that happens, then you're just continuing with, uh, you continue with what you're doing now. And that's uh, conditioning and getting ready for football. And uh, I think that's what you'd be doing anyway. And I'm sure you will be doing, I'm sure they got all the weights outside. They can do all the lifting they need to do. So really you learn to adjust uh, to certain things that you have to do to get ready to play.
1: Yeah. You're going to make some adjustments and you need those, you know, three weeks or so of fall camp. It's certainly going to be accelerated, right coach? Like, I mean, I've, you, you're at a schedule if you're a football coach and you're, they, this happens now, this happens now you're kind of on this delay. Like, okay, well we're doing this for now. We're going to do these off season workouts. We're going to, you know, at least the coaches have a chance to figure out, you know, what they have in their players. And, and, you know, if you haven't worked out with these players, before because you're a new coach. USC has six new assistant coaches. You get a better feel for what uh, those guys can do, but they're not practicing yet. So, it's definitely a far cry, but at least they're out in the field, kind of checking these guys out. Um, but I mean, you got to be really flexible as a football coach now, coach, because this is just—I mean, it's—it's a, it's a new normal we're trying to deal with, and they're doing everything they can, but it's not what they're used to.
0: That's right, and it's not their first dance. Okay, their players and the coaches—it's not their first dance. Everybody knows what to do and how to get ready for a football season. So hey. Everybody adjust and everybody be ready to play. Just give me the date and who we have to play and where's it at. And we'll be there. We'll show up. So I think that's exactly what you have to do. So everybody's got to just calm down and have faith in these coaches and players and they'll be ready to play when it's time to play.
1: Yeah, they'll be ready. Um, Everyone's going to kind of be basically on the same uh, sort of schedule. Um, And I wanted to bring this up for, you know, what you brought up earlier coach about, The commissioner, you know, having a commissioner for college football, having some kind of leadership for college football and how much easier it would be when now we have conferences sort of doing a different thing. We might see an alliance, I guess you could say, between the ACC, the SEC and the ACC, where they all play their conference schedule, but maybe one out of conference game because there's a lot of in-state rivals that are across uh, conference boundaries. Uh, In the South that they might want, you know, like a Clemson in South Carolina, they might want that game to still happen, allowing something like that and some flexibility there. We don't know uh, yet at this point, but coach, I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on that and how that kind of impacted the, you know, potentially impacted the college football season.
0: Well, it has. And I think that as uh, we were talking off the air and we talked last week, Ryan, I think the uh, uh, Pac-12 and the Big Ten sort of jumped the gun a little bit. I don't think they needed to do that so quickly without putting some thought about it with all the commissioners and everybody being on the same page, like let's keep some of the big rivalry games. Let's be able to make a schedule together where Notre Dame can still play FC and some of these other great games we are planning on having every year that people look forward to. And so to put the schedule together where people understand it, and they're all on the same page. And if you have one office that uh, communicates continuously – with the different conferences on this is the way we're going to do it this year, not one conference have 10 games or one conference have eight games or whatever it is and one conference have nine conference football games and the other conference has eight f- conference football games like currently is going on where one conference has an advantage. I mean, I, I think it'd be a better rounded uh, communicating college football system. And I think that there would be not a lot of people on their own out there, but a lot of people working to have everything the same. I mean, the television packages, everything, the revenue, everything like the NFL, everything shared the way it's supposed to be shared. And I think that could also be good for the Mountain West Conference and America and all these other conferences that also help these large Power Five conferences by playing them. And the Power Five conferences help them by the large type of guarantees they give. So I think this is what they've got to look forward to. And until something like currently happens, no one thinks about these things as far as the budget, the money, uh, how football supports the entire athletic department, the amount of money that coaches make, all of these different things, commissioners. When you look at what uh, the overhead is and uh, the importance of college football, you've got to have a plan so that if something should happen... There's always a way to adjust to it. And I think you get ready by this by being under one leadership.
1: Yeah, the uh the you know, you could argue how good a leader Roger Goodell is or any of the other, you know, sports commissioners, but having a singular voice does help. I think that and we talked about this before. That's part of the reason the power sort of dropped down to the conferences, because at least there's a leader of each conference and they can make their own determination of what's going on where. And it's a little more I guess it's a little more easily digestible that, you know, a Larry Scott can deal with 12 different schools and, you know, six or seven different state governments and local governments and things like that, where if you're trying to deal with all of college football, the laws in Arizona and Florida are different than New York and California and all that stuff. So it does, it, it should make the problem a little bit easier, but having that national voice I think you give you a better chance of having college football in general because if, I mean, what's kind of a what college football season would it be if like the Big Ten and the Pac-12 weren't going to play until the spring and then, uh, you know, the ACC and the SEC and the Big Twelve were talking about you know playing in the fall and it's all a mess. You if you had a leader coach, it wouldn't let something like that happen. But right now, it's sort of like you have these regional bosses in the, the conferences and they're going to do what's best for their conference. And it doesn't necessarily gonna it's not necessarily gonna be best for one of the other conferences or having everyone on the same page.
0: You're exactly right. Remember, revenue is why you a big part of college football. And if you're allowed to keep some of the big games, there's more revenue. Now, if you keep the Notre Dame SC game, look at the revenue that comes in from television from that game. Why would you eliminate that game? There's ways of scheduling where that game would count as a conference game for USC or something like that. I'm not I'm not trying to put this whole thing together here on our podcast, but there's ways of putting a lot of thought behind it where the revenue portion of what's necessary to run the athletic departments and football programs can be generated through smart scheduling and everybody on the same page. And right now, everybody's not on the same page. Everybody is sort of going rampant They try to take care of themselves and not thinking about the overall picture of college football. So I think this is what needs to happen. And like I spoke with you before about the spring practice, uh, the unnecessary things that people have done, the spring visits, the recruiting, all of the necessary things that were cost cutting could be a, a big difference in athletic departments, yet not hurt the game of football. And I think that's what we're all trying to achieve. The same thing is have great college football. And still be able to support the athletic departments, and not allow these type of things to give us the threat of the elimination of college athletics.
1: Yeah, we don't want to hear that. We don't want to hear. We've seen some sports eliminated. We've seen some smaller conferences delay, um, you know, the season happening until the spring. Uh, And but we don't want to see college sports eliminated in general or, or or diminished. I mean, college sports is pretty powerful. Uh, entity right now. And that's, you know, that's a lot of that's going to be uh, in jeopardy with some of these decisions that were being made, but you're right. I think a conference is going to make a decision what's best for them, not necessarily what's best for college football as a whole. All right, let's uh, take a quick break. We'll come back and uh, continue our discussion back in a minute. All right, Coach, um, you had a uh, – we had a voicemail, and I, I believe it was a radio show that you did where you talked to uh, – was it Phil Steele that you talked
0: to? Right. I had Phil Steele on one of my shows. Yeah.
1: Right. Um, so what what was the – what was the uh, context? Well, you know what? We have a question first. So Phil Steele is – you know he writes that Bible of, of College Football previews uh, every year. Why don't I play the voicemail for you, and we'll get into uh, what you talked about with Phil Steele. So here is okay. the
0: voicemail. Hey, Ryan and Coach, Curtis from Moreno Valley. I just listened to the coach interview Phil Steele. I suggested all SC Trojan fans listen to it. He explained how he figures out who has what on each team, and he was very impressed with the Trojans' talent across the board. He even mentioned we have one of the best offensive lines as far as talent in the country, a deep stable of backs, but we already know that, and we know everything else. And he said, there's only one other team in the Pac-12 with talent like us. So, um, if we have a season, I'm going to affectionately call it Duck Season. Curtis from Moreno Valley.
1: And, uh, real quick, Curtis called back to clarify, it wasn't that the Ducks were going to have a successful season, it was like basically hunting the Ducks, so it was more of a, it wasn't positivity towards the duck season. It was more that USC would be out hunting the Ducks.
0: That's right. And uh, he uh, is very positive about USC football. He says there's not many programs uh, that have the tradition or the number of athletes that they have. He talked about, of course, uh, Kenan, the quarterback. He talked about the receivers. He thought they had a great group of running backs. And he did mention the offensive line, which, you know, is there. It sort of surprised me, but he's evaluated the talent there, and he does have them listed when you look at the best uh, positions as far as offensive lines ranked in the top 10, I believe it was, in the country, along with the defensive side of the football. So he's looking at USC as a potential conference winner. He he mentioned that he thought they would come down to the Pac-12 championship game between the University of Oregon and USC. He flat said that. So, uh He's very positive on the Trojan football and uh, program, and uh, the Pac-12, and and uh, he just uh, he just uh, I've never seen a guy. We don't prepare for the show at all. We just know each other and we talk off the air. But when we do our show, we just get started and we get going. And he doesn't have he doesn't even know what questions I'm going to ask him. He just answers them like he has the questions or the answers right in front of him. We talked about the Mountain West. We talked about overall football. He's number one, two team in the country and why. Talked about uh, the playoffs. We talked about everything. He's just a very interesting and very intelligent person as far as uh, uh, college football. And his book comes out as far as a preseason publication. It's the last one. And uh, so he has more of the updated information on the football season, as far as transfers and portal people and all of the above. So it's a book to get, and I follow it and I read it. Uh, I read it from cover to cover. It's really interesting.
1: Yeah. Um, so overall, it sounds like you know he had a pretty positive outlook for USC. Did you guys get into any talk about just college football in general? Uh, you know, having to do with this you know, the, uh, coronavirus stuff. Was he getting into that at all?
0: No, we didn't get into that. And he really didn't want to get into that conversation. I did mention to him something about at the beginning of the show, do you think we'll have a football season? And he says, I really don't want to get into that. I always look at positive things and yeah, we're going to have a football season. That's where I look at it. So I never went back to that topic because I could tell that he, that was a topic he didn't want to really discuss.
1: Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, did he talk about like some of his favorites in general outside of the the Pac-12 for college football?
0: Well, yeah, he talked about his top teams. He thinks his number one te- the number one team in the country this year is, is Ohio State. He really likes Ohio State. He's got Clemson two. He's got Alabama three. Uh, the same group of teams that are out there. Uh, uh, his surprise team this year is Texas A&M. They've got eighteen returning starters, and he thinks that. Jimbo Fisher's done just a great job there. He really has. And he thinks they're going to be a surprise team. He thinks Florida's going to have an outstanding football team. Uh, he thinks the ACC will be better uh, than what it has been. And uh, uh, he, again, has the S- uh, SEC as the best conference. Uh, let's see, what other kind con- he had? I don't know. I think he had the Big Ten conference second, ACC third, Pac-12 fourth. Uh, as far as rating the conferences uh kind of go back and think about what that interview was all about. If people want to listen to that show,
1: yeah, where can they, they get it coach?
0: My, yeah, they can go to my webpage, page dot com and it's listed right there in the first page. You can just hit it, listen to the entire show
1: yeah, check it out uh, got, i got haven't checked it out yet, coach, but I do want to listen to it so thanks Curtis for uh pointing that out. um we got one last uh topic to discuss, Coach, and it's not uh, necessarily positive information, but I wanted to, you know, at least bring it up because this is something that, um, you know, could certainly have an impact on uh, college football. We've seen sports come back, which is great. I mean, we want, and I think the original, you know, when we're talking to the different commissioners, they really wanted to, in the college sports world, try to follow what professional sports we're going to do. I've watched a bunch of golf, pretty easy to socially distant. Uh, It seems like what the NBA is doing. Uh, Last I heard, there were zero positive tests uh, this month, I think starting January, I mean, July 13th. There was, you know, you get the weird story, like a Lou Williams breaks quarantine. Well, had a a reason to leave the bubble, but then goes to a strip club. Now he's got to sit in quarantine for 10 days, but it it shows that they're taking it seriously. He's going to miss a couple games for the Clippers. Um, cause he didn't, you know, it didn't follow the rules and there's going to be people that don't follow the rules, but I think when you're in a bubble, like the NBA, you can protect things a lot easier than you can, uh, if you're not. And major league baseball, we saw, you know, it was great. I mean, I haven't watched baseball in a while. It's like, I'm watching regular season baseball games. I was watching the Dodgers last night. I've watched some, uh, like Yankees, uh, nationals games and stuff. And it was like, you know, it was interesting to see. And they had different broadcasts, had different Ways to present it. There's cardboard cutouts some places. There's virtual fans. Um, it was different, and you have the announcers of the game, not even in the stadium. They're in a you know a, a studio somewhere, uh, announcing the game. So uh, all that stuff was interesting to kind of see coming back. But Major League Baseball had an opportunity when they were trying to figure out what to do. They could have tried to play in a bubble also, which would be, you know it's more difficult. You got more teams and stuff, and more uh, players. But they uh, elected not to do that. Well, we got some bad news um, over the weekend. The Miami Marlins, uh, so they had, I believe it was four positive tests uh, out of after Saturday and went on and played a game uh, anyway against the, the Philadelphia Phillies on Sunday. And as of Monday morning, there were eight more positive tests, though so I believe it was 14 total players and coaches Tested positive for the Marlins. And, you know, that's now you've got a game postponed between the Phillies and the Yankees. The Phillies would be hosting the Yankees, but they were going to, the Yankees would have to go into the same locker room where all the Marlins players had it. The Marlins uh, are still in Philadelphia. They haven't flown home yet. They were supposed to play the Orioles. That game is postponed or canceled. And that's just what we know as of like this minute. There might even things have happened in the minutes that we've, I've been talking about this. I just don't know. But that's a situation where uh, things are starting to break down a little bit. So three games in, you know, three days into the major league baseball season coach, we're seeing an outbreak for a team. And maybe they, you know, the Marlins can't play for a couple of weeks. Maybe uh, the Phillies can't play for a while. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't want to read too much into a coach, but it's not a positive sign for sports like football. They're going to be doing something similar where you're traveling. And playing games against other teams. So I wanted to get your thought on all of that.
0: Well, my thought is, uh, depending how long they have to uh, quarantine these people, maybe either the Marlins don't play and they forfeit those games, or the entire East Conference doesn't play. And they cut back their scheduling where they lose two weeks of uh, playing baseball. Then they come back and play. And uh, whoever has the best record in that conference or whatever goes on there is going to be the winner of the conference, but they're going to play less games than everybody else plays. Uh, they don't play many games out of conference. So uh, I would hate to say that might happen, but there's only one way to do that to keep it somewhat fair. So I would say that they either penalize one team, but what to say like the Phillies don't uh, get some now. So I I think what you do is you look at the whole conference and you say that division, uh, you're not playing. You're just not playing until everything gets for two weeks or ten days or whatever that period of time is, and then you go back and play, and you whatever the record was, you start going again, and you'll have ten less games or whatever it is that everybody else has. And then you still have your leader, and the winner of the conference, and so on. Uh, That's the only way. I can see that happening, but you can't stop baseball overall. Otherwise you're, you can't stop it and restart it. That's the number one thing I've been really concerned with as far as college football is don't start it and then stop it. I'd rather have it start in the spring. So uh, I think that's what they have to do. They have to move along, continue it, hope it doesn't happen in any other divisions. And I'm just throwing this out. I don't know, but I'm just saying when you hit me cold with that, that's what I'd suggest.
1: Yeah. And it's, I mean, obviously, it's complicated. What the Major League Baseball is trying to do is cram a sixty-game schedule into, I believe, it's sixty-six days. And the Marlins and uh, the Phillies, for example, are both in the National League East. Um, but the you know the the Yankees are in the the American League. Uh, they're in the American League East, and also the Orioles, who the next opponent for. The Marlins, they're in the American League East, too. So it's it's crossing leagues, not just the divisions. Um, And, you know, it might be one of those situations where there's, because there's not a whole lot of flexibility built in, where if you want to look at some positive aspects for college football, there is some of that flexibility built in with the conference only schedule. They're giving, you know, there's a couple bye weeks built in there. Plus, the Pac 12's plan is going to be to have extra weeks at the end of the season. So if there is some sort of outbreak, you should be able to handle it. And, I, and maybe this is a, a tale that shows everyone if you're going to play football, it, it could be for the NFL, it could be for college football. I don't know exactly what's been going on with the Marlins coach, but you know, the, there was reports I was, I was trying to read as much as I could um, that there were enough positive tests that they should have probably not played on Sunday, and maybe you made things worse. So if you do see – uh, you know, a minor outbreak, or I don't know what, I don't know what constitutes a minor outbreak, what the technical term would be, but you see a few positive tests that might be enough to delay or postpone a game or cancel a game. And so you don't make it worse. So it doesn't turn into 14 and then you potentially expose a whole nother team. Um, I think there's a lot of that there. I mean, the bubble seems to be working when you're not going to be operating in a bubble, there's a lot of potential for problems, you know, and uh, I, I think we're starting to see that from what I read, it seems like some of the, the Marlins, you know, they, maybe they weren't taking it as seriously as they should. They were, they didn't stagger their workouts or when players got to the stadium, uh, they were, you know, they were seen in the dugouts, not wearing masks. And now you have 14 of their you know team members getting it. So maybe the hope is coach that this is just like a one-off thing, and you learn from it from, you know, the, the football teams learn like, hey, this is what could happen. And if there is some sort of problem, then you have to kind of back off. And and it's way better to delay a game now than to like play it and get everybody worse and expose more teams and things like that. So I don't know. Cause I don't know what this means, but there's definitely some people saying like this means there's no way we're going to have sports. And there's other people that are saying like, hey, this is a cautionary tale and you can learn from it.
0: Well, I think you can learn from it. I really do. And uh you have to be prepared to to know exactly what uh is uh you had in mind if this happens and I do like what the Pac twelve has done as far as scheduling and giving those extra buy dates. I think they have three extra buy dates to reorganize that and be able to continue with their football season. So uh that's that's what they have to do. They have to figure it out. Uh you and I aren't getting paid for that, but uh they've got to figure that out. and I think there's got to be a stiffer penalty when people aren't following the uh, guidelines on what you're supposed to wear a mask or whatever you're supposed to do and where you're supposed to be, and you're not you're supposed to be at in the hotel or these different things you're supposed to do. I think there's got to be a stiffer penalty. I mean, people just let things go. and before long, instead of having three guys without a mask on, you got ten. Then you got fifteen. You can't you know whether you're a professional athlete or an amateur athlete, Rules and regulations have got to be followed for the best interest of the team, not the individual. And if there's an individual that doesn't want to follow the rules and he doesn't have the best interest of the team or he's too good to be able to follow the rules and regulations, you get rid of him. You say, well, you're not working here any longer. You're not getting paid. Get out of our get out of our uh, locker room. And that includes the managers, because I see a lot of managers, too, that sometimes don't have their mask on and the umpires. It uh, goes along with him. That one umpire yesterday had trouble getting his mask on. But uh, I'm just it goes for everybody. There's not one person that's more important in the entire program. And you've got to be able to set an example sometimes. Because people don't believe what you're saying. And you've got to be able to back up what your bark is. Uh, I can bite, too. And I think that's what people have to do. And sometimes you have to set examples, even if you don't want to. you got to do it.
1: You got to, and I believe, yeah, I, I think we're seeing the NBA take it seriously where a guy, you know, like Lou Williams going in there, you know, he goes to a strip club and even though he tested negative and all that, and he's saying he wasn't there long, he was just getting food or whatever it was, whatever it is, he still got to quarantine for 10 days. And I, there's going to be like, pe- you, you're young people, you, you want to go out and do things and you're, you want to break the rules, but they're going to see their serious consequences for that. Major League Baseball breaking the rules. There might be like the Marlins lose a week or two of the season. I don't. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen. There, there could have, like I said, there could have been news breaking as we're recording this. But uh, that it certainly was a little sobering because it was great to see baseball back. But it was a little sobering to see. Okay, now we're gonna already getting after the first weekend, we're already getting games postponed or potentially canceled. So we'll we'll monitor that and see uh, you know what it does mean for for college football and you know best case it's a cautionary tale this is how you have to take things seriously it looks like USC is doing a good job of that like we said zero positive tests at the top of the show so that's a good uh that's a good sign um and we'll see you know this sometime this week we should hear from the Pac-12 and have a lot more information on what the season's going to be and then how USC will spend that time between now and mid-September when the season starts to uh, get
0: rolling and again, uh, on Lou Williams, uh, he knew what he was doing. He knew he shouldn't have been in there. The commissioner should come down, no matter who he plays for, and whatever, and say, you can't play. And if you do that, just one time, all the other players hear that. And you lose your pay, too, during this season. And all of a sudden, and I have nothing against this guy, but like I was saying earlier, you've got to have rules and regulations that are in the best interest of your company and business and franchise might hurt you. You might not win the championship. But that guy was willing to gamble and did it. So he has to pay a price for it, no matter who it is. And that's the same thing that the college kids will see and follow the lead of what the punishment is. And it should be the same type of lead in college football. When a commissioner or somebody says, I'm sorry your player was out, he didn't have a mask on, or whatever it is, or whatever the rules and regulations are, He isn't playing because he's jeopardizing everything in college football or whatever sport he plays. So I think you've got to be able to have this. Kids are kids, but kids learn in a hurry. As far as the same thing as far as wearing masks. We have a lot of adults that refuse to wear a mask. Well, you know, parked cars really don't kill anybody. So instead of giving parking tickets, give tickets for people who aren't wearing the mask. Have respect for other people. I'm wearing my mask to protect you. And uh, you just had to park your car somewhere. When people walk by, start writing tickets for people that aren't wearing a mask. Well, you have to put a seatbelt on, so why can't you put a mask on? You get a ticket without a seatbelt, and we'll get some of these things cleared up. And uh, believe me, the word spreads fast. When people see somebody getting a ticket for not a mask on, the word gets around places, and yet it's a $100 fine that you're going to wear your mask. And sometimes you have to set examples in the football program. I had to do that at times. It hurt me more than it hurt the kid. It would hurt me inside more than it hurt the kid, but I had to do it for the best interest of our program.
1: Yeah. All right, coach. Well, uh, good stuff. And, uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll keep monitoring what's going on out there. But as of now, it's still rolling along doing their off season workouts like i said zero positive tests which is good um we'll see by next week if we you know we should know a lot more about the schedule and everything next week and and what the plan is so i look forward to talking to you again about all of that
0: thanks buddy and for everybody out there be safe and uh please uh think positively and uh get your emails and video all your questions in us we'll try to answer them and Maybe next week we'll have more to talk about college football. Yeah,
1: hope so. We will. All right, that's the coach, Harvey Hyde. I'm Ryan Abraham. Hope you're doing well, and we will talk to you next time. Be safe, everybody.
0: You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting.